Bullshit. It's the No BS Marketing Show. I'm Dave Mastovich, founder and CEO of Mass Solutions, the world's only no bullshit marketing firm. Recently, I've had the chance to read a couple of articles or posts that are talking about the role of the chief marketing officer, the lifespan of a chief marketing officer, the future of the chief marketing officer role. These got me fired up because having been a chief marketing officer myself throughout my career, I wanted to quickly talk about it. And Maria Marhefka, as you know, is one of our key content people here, especially as part of the No BS Marketing Platform. Forward her a bunch of articles and said, let's do a show talking about this. And she's more than glad to kind of navigate that. Right, Maria? I am. And there was one article was from Forbes in particular, and it was titled, It is CMO Wake Up Time. Um, basically, you know, the Cliff's Notes version of this is that the article talked about the fragmentation of marketing channels and how that's forcing the CMO to kind of be a ringleader at a, you know, a multi-ring surface of multimedia messages and media and, and how it has maybe marginalized marketing in general and CMOs in particular. And I think we've seen a shift in actually the name of the CMO. They've done title changes of, you know, chief transformation officer, chief experience officer, you know, you name it, there's every name but CMO now, it seems. And um, this author kind of said that they're a little bit more of like an endangered species, the CMO, um, and just highlights the potential reasons for this decline um, and how a CMO can successfully advocate that there's a positive relationship between financial performance and brand performance. So, it's a lot, but what is your take on just the whole kind of lay of the land when it comes to the CMO? I'll try to break this up into different parts. The first, I'll take the name of the title. The chief financial officer is still the chief financial officer, even though the term quant is big now and data-driven organizations. We don't suddenly change them to chief numbers person. So the CFO is still the CFO and should still be the CFO. What happens over time is there is a flavor of the month of catchphrases and words and titles. So you're seeing in the last couple of years, you've seen these titles that are BS, changing it to chief transformation officer, chief growth officer, chief experience officer, chief, I don't know what to call this person that handles this field that I'm confused by. So the first part I would say is the title is chief marketing officer, no matter what they change it to. You are the chief marketing officer. You are responsible for the marketing of the company. That's point number one. Point number two is if that person is leading that function, and as part of leading that function, that person has to be the ambassador for real marketing. And I have experience with this. Throughout my career, all of my turnarounds, all of my jobs at big companies, multi-billion dollar companies, and so on, I had to be the marketing ambassador. People didn't know what marketing was. They had a misperception of marketing. They were breaking some of the eight reasons that companies become BS marketers. They were doing some of those. The person in this role has to clearly convey that it's an art and a science, and the person in this role has to focus on the financial results, like you said. If that person is being that marketing ambassador and explaining that, like an evangelist to everyone across, up and down the organization. That's the first step, and that's a big role that many chief marketing officers maybe don't like or aren't as comfortable with or maybe aren't 
that good at. So that's point number two. They're basically kind of trying to convey to everyone in the organization so it's not siloed, that marketing kind of infiltrates everything and to get everyone on the same page. Yes, and part of the problem becomes this. Everyone in life comes up through something where they were a specialist. Mm -hmm. So in your career, that person that is a CFO started out somewhere doing something in the financial realm that there still is their go-to strength but they've learned and grew up grew into all these other strengths to be a chief financial officer the same thing happens with chief marketing officers so a chief marketing officer that is 50 to 70 years old was a product of the time where branding was big Mm -hmm. so even though they are learning and have gotten so much better at the quanta the quant side of it the data side of it their biases and their worldview began early in their career to the art, the branding side. Someone who is 36, 40, 33, 28, that has rose in a meteoric way to this chief marketing officer role, came up probably starting out with a very defined area that they became an expert in, Mm -hmm. pay-per-click, Sam whatever, and they then have that bias. So we have to make sure that whoever's in this role takes off that hat, which is difficult for all of us to do, and says, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to lead my internal and external teams, and I'm going to champion the full facet of real marketing, no BS marketing. That's what the leaders have to do. And I think many of them are, but I think many of them aren't. Okay. That makes sense. And the author also says that, you know, a CMO is a participating executive in creating what he calls a results culture. What's your take? Absolutely. I I was telling you and Marcel heard it uh, that early in my career, I did something that they're saying to do in these, these three or four articles that you and I have been talking about over the past week or two. And that is I brought all the different external strategic partners, ad agency, boutique firm, freelancers, and brought them in with my internal team, even brought printers in, everybody, and I would have this meeting twice a year where we would block off about three hours and we would just talk about where we are, where we need to change immediately, and where we want to get to. And the first one that I did was so uncomfortable because I had three companies that would probably have called themselves ad agencies at the time, one that would have called themselves a PR boutique, and then two or three freelancers, a couple of printers, a direct marketing list type person, Mm -hmm. and my internal team that had four or five directors plus some creatives. And there was tension in the room because I was saying you are going to need to communicate to each other. And company one, you're really good at A and B. You also do C, D, E, and F. Company two, you're really good at C and D, and you also do A, B, E, and F. Well, you're going to get A and B and you're getting C and D, I don't want you trying to pitch me against the other one. And company three, you happen to be a little more unique. You do A and B, but you're the only one that really does G. You're going to do G. Don't be focusing on A and B. It doesn't mean you can't give me your insights. Tell me if you think we're missing off the mark, but I I can't have you trying to sell to get more money for yourself. Mm -hmm. We are a team. And it was difficult. That was foreign, and that's a, that's a while ago. Right. So if that was foreign then, I would hope it would have gotten better. But I think we as humans are so turf-driven yep. 
that to try to be that results-oriented leader that that article quoted, you have to have a clear vision of what your goals and objectives are as that chief marketing officer. Mm -hmm. You then have to get the right people internally on the bus, like from the book Good to, Ga Good to Great, get the right people on the bus mm -hmm. internally. That takes leadership, and that's just not found very often where you come in and quickly evaluate the team and realize these are the people we're going to try to ask them to get on with their life's work. Mm -hmm. somehow exit them quickly in a right. compassionate way. These ones are on the bubble, so we're going to use coaching and mentoring to see if they make it. And these ones are our peak performers right now. We want to keep them that way. Right. That phrase that I just said takes so much pain to do an implementation. I have the internal scars to prove it that most people just don't do it. Mm -hmm. And I bring this whole thing about leadership to anything I do in life. I bring it to basketball because I've been a basketball coach, and I think the vast majority of basketball coaches aren't really good at leading. And that's because most human beings aren't good at leading. And when you pick coaches, you've narrowed the pool so much because you're saying we can only pick teachers and administrators. So now you already have this pool of human beings who aren't good at leadership. Mm -hmm. And you've narrowed that pool down by 97%. And only 5% of all of them are good at leadership. And we're taking 97% of the whole pie and throwing them out and saying they can't do it. And now this 3%, we're expecting to find some of that 5% to be good leaders as a soccer coach. Uh-huh, ain't happening. So the same thing is going on with marketing. You have people that came up partially on the creative side. You have others came up on the sales side. You have others came up on the strategy side, others on the research side. And we're asking them to lead. And that is a challenge because the vast majority of people with a leadership title aren't particularly strong at leadership. Right. And as you're kind of navigating that territory of um, being a leader, you know, you've held senior leadership positions in the past. So, you know, you are trying to get your team and everyone involved on the same page, kind of understanding their roles so there wasn't yes. any ambiguity of, is that mine? Is that yes. theirs? But I'm sure you almost experienced kind of like the push and pull of being that middleman. Mm -hmm. So how did you kind of work around that and work through it, you know? I'll be vulnerable and start out when I'm at my weakest and when I haven't had success, both on the corporate side and even with my own company, it's tied back typically to ambiguity. And I have that phrase, ambiguity breeds mediocrity. And because I'm this thing called a human, I sometimes fall prey even to my own phrases. And when I'm not communicating with anyone, it could be you, it could be Marcel, it could be the rest of our team, it could be our clients. Anytime we are ambiguous and don't over communicate, we run into trouble. I ran into trouble on the corporate side. There are times where I didn't, wasn't the peak performer. I can point those, finger point those, each of those instances that they're still inside my brain. I've thought about them way too much, but they were tied to a lack of communication. Now, that doesn't mean there weren't snipers shooting at me from the grassy knoll. You know, when I was on the corporate side, I was this change agent. So there were people shooting at me, but my communication mm -hmm. helped them. It gave them a better target. So what I'm saying is with Mass Solutions, I don't have anybody shooting at me because, you know, we have a company that's built around balanced quality of life and doing the right type of marketing. But we're all moving at a fast pace, and there's times where I didn't sit down and go, no, 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 I expect A, B, C, and D, Maria, not, mm -hmm. not just I said it verbally and told you, I think we should do A and B, and I thought I told you C. Well, now I have to sit down and say, no, it's A, B, and C, and you need to make sure you know D. Mm -hmm. And so when you communicate better, it's just hard. You talk about being that middle person. When you're that middle person, what ends up happening is you feel like you're being tugged by your senior management, which is the chief executive officer, right. your peers are all C-suite people. So you're now trying to make sure you meet the needs of the CEO or whatever she needs. And you're trying to meet your peers, he and she, and get them to 
respect you and understand marketing, but then you also have to have time to lead your five main directors or whatever they are. Mm -hmm. And then underneath them are a bunch of people. So you had to coach those five to seven main direct reports so they don't under communicate to their team. So yes, you feel like at the end of the day, what I used to feel like at the end of the day at those big positions was I would often think, I just don't get to do the real work. Mm -hmm. And this is the big takeaway that I say to people, when you and Marcel and I were talking about this in our strategy session, the ones that are the peak performers, whether it's in finance, operations, or marketing, the three major disciplines, and then human capital being the fourth, those four disciplines, the, the peak performers in those four disciplines are the ones who understand that asking for help and getting outside help is a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. That's what the peak performers do. When I was at my best, I was willing to say, I have 19 things that are pretty significant. Mm -hmm. I can maybe do six of them. I can delegate these seven to my internal team. What am I gonna do with these other six? Leave them in this list that makes me mad every time I think about it and drains me or try to find someone externally that can help me with those. And if I have it in the budget and can make it happen, why would anyone care? I'd have peers at these big companies who would talk crap on me whenever I was uh, actually working on things and bringing in other companies. They would say, well, he just he just hired a consultant to do that. He just hired a, a marketing firm to do that. And I would say, it's in my budget. Why do you care? I got the results. Mm -hmm. And so that's the bit of advice that I would give anyone that is uh, – out there in the chief marketing officer role is that you only have a limited amount of time. You get frustrated that you're not getting to do the real work. You have to be able to have strong internal leaders under you, but you also have to be willing to seek and pay for outside help. That's what carried me. Well, I think the experience is the best teacher, so I think that was, you know, a good a good end, and we'll see. You know how the evolution of the CMO position kind of kind of goes in the next few years, but. You know, you lived it, so you know it best. I lived it, and I love when we get the chance to help CEOs of medium-sized, mid-market companies who don't really have a chief marketing officer. They might have a director, or they might even have a person with a VP title, but they don't have that strategic aspect. I love when we get to help them because we can make such quick inroads. Then I love when we're working with an enterprise company where uh, a, a client of ours left uh, this left Pittsburgh and mm -hmm. went to another large position, a chief marketing officer position. They immediately brought us in because he knows that he can count on me mm -hmm. to lean on for ideation, strategy, leadership, and management. Right. And that's the key because leadership and management are two different things, and most people aren't really good at both. Right. Okay? But at least some people are pretty good at management, haven't knocked out the leadership skill yet. Okay. Some are just decent at both. Well, you got to be able to farm out that stuff so you have help with strategy, mm -hmm. help with growing as a leader, and help with growing as a manager. Awesome. That's another episode, Dave. Uh, I like it. I like <laughs> it because the chief market officer title has to remain. That role is going to remain. It just takes leadership and communication. And, and that's what the Nobius Marketing Show is all about. It's recorded here in our own studio in bold, beautiful downtown Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Remember, ask yourself, what's the big idea? And build your story around the answer. It's all about bold solutions, no BS.